Business Matters in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. Are you a senior manager in the private sector looking to reinforce your leadership skills? ATU are offering a Level 9 Executive MBS in Leadership and Innovation based around action learning starting late April. Take the next step in your career and contact the Exec Ed Coordinator on 918206 today or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie. I'm Kieran O'Donnell. You're welcome to Business Matters. My guest this week is the owner of Alcorn's Garden Centre and owner of Tropical World in Letterkenny, Clive Alcorn. Clive's late parents, Tommy and Martha, set up a flower shop at Loch Nagin in the 80s and Clive began working full-time in the business while still a teenager. When his father retired, Clive formed Alcorn's Limited along with his brother John and sister Caroline, who both run Alcorn's Flowers. It was always Clive's ambition to establish his own zoo, and in 2011, he opened Tropical World, which now attracts 40,000 visitors annually. Clive, you are very welcome to Business Matters. Thank you very much. Glad to get the opportunity. Clive, uh, we've just completed the tour uh, of your facility and operation here at Loch Nagin in Letterkenny. And I suppose the first thing that struck me uh, when we got to the end of the tour was the vastness uh, of the operation here. It's developed into quite a quite a large operation, and it's uh, a lot of the public doesn't actually see what goes on behind the scenes and what it takes to actually produce the plants, uh, the amount of work that's involved, and as I say, it's a three six five twenty four seven commitment to, to uh, bring it to that level. We're in your office here, Clive, and. Up behind us on the wall is a photograph taken, I think, around the late 80s. Uh, gives a good indication of the scale of the operation then, and I suppose it gives a, a bigger indication of how things have evolved and expanded since. Well, this is it. Back in uh, the 80s, as I say, we were a young, basically young family. There was four of the family, father and mother. Father worked in uh, the P&T, and uh, this was basically a hobby that had developed into a business uh, run by himself and my mother. And uh, I say, us as children were reared in it, brought up to, and uh, garden was what we knew, and as I say, you, you tried to, you know, we were taught from a very early age that uh, how to grow plants, as I say, we would have went to nurseries down the country and maybe, as I say, father would have given me three or four hundred pounds and give John three or four hundred pounds, say, right here, go you and deal with a grower and see if you can buy a plant for maybe 30 cents or 30p at that time. And uh, you'd actually, what do you call it? Uh, you know, it says, look here, well, if I'm buying 50, much is it? And if you're buying 100, so it actually taught you how to, uh, how to deal and how to, how to make the, as I say, the business side of things from an early, you know, an early age. And that was how the summers and holidays were spent, was potting them up, growing them on, and that was what you sold the following year. And then as the business progressed, uh, as I say, John left school, uh, we developed in into uh, basically what he called the flowers production and all. I had the, always the thing of trying to increase the garden centre and go to a decent size. Uh, we then, what he called, unfortunately, probably the biggest tragedy that will ever happen was my mother dropped dead at 42 years of age, uh, which basically just destroyed the whole fabric of the thing. Uh, we were left, as I say, my father signed here, uh, wages, the, uh, trying to continue on with the flowers. Uh, John ended up running the flower shop and going to that side of it. I wanted to build the garden centre bigger and better. 
So uh, we developed it over that and uh, went to Holland, bought a glass house in Holland, second-hand glass house, as I say, with four bottles of potting as the week's rent money. And uh, as I say, we developed that and uh, over the summer of 88 and uh, worked on from there and as I say, increased the garden centre, uh, brought that to a level that really was... Uh, you know, at, a, at an excellent, and because we're producing a lot of the plants, we could control the quality because a lot of the produce that is produced nationally is is done on a scale that it's artificially, basically uh, used in the sense that it's not hardy for Donegal conditions. I don't believe that. I will never sell anybody something that I don't believe. Is if it's not good enough quality for me, I will never sell it to anybody else, and that has stuck with me to this day. Um, um, Clive, when we came into the uh, Tropical World uh, Centre, uh, there's a lovely uh, tribute uh, to your father and uh, a very nice reference made to your mother as well. Uh, I couldn't help but think that they had a huge influence uh, on how things uh, have panned out for yourselves and the approach and professionalism uh, that you take to your work here. Well, my father and mother were, as I say, genuine people. My mother was uh, was a person, if anybody actually who remembers her would say, my mother never made money because she actually gave away more plants than she sold. Um, and that was her nature. She loved people and she loved, and as I say, the saddest thing is to, that I would say today is that she never ever got to see the good of Alcorns. Um, my father seen, as I say, it develop through the years, see us develop into the business and the business go forward, and was a great man for actually backing, uh, as I say, what what the future or what. And uh, I remember going to trade shows and would have went and maybe looked at a piece of machinery. And I remember going to this, going to a show in Kildare one time and looking at this bit of machinery and myself and himself were standing looking at it and, says, and I says, uh, and the Dutch man says to me, would you be interested? I said, maybe in the future. And of course he took my telephone number and he rung me every year for three years and eventually I says, look to my dad, what do you think? He says, get the machine here, it'll speed things up. And that was his, and it was always the vision of how we can make it better, how we can, as I say, increase production, but at the same time it has to be done in a sustainable nature and it has to be viable. Um, we then reached a stage in the business where uh, as I say, we'd. Uh, I got a man came in here one day, and t- to be honest, uh, he says I want to go gardening, and uh, I would love to do a bit of gardening. I says you're mad. I says you wouldn't come and help me sort out the books. And it's probably the one thing in business, and it's it. Re- it really brings in business matters to this whole thing, as that. Uh, I left school at 14, was mad for work, worked 24 hours a day, but there was nobody controlling the books. When my mother died, everything was left to an accountant. And did she look after those affairs before that? She looked after those affairs. It was a smaller scale, and it was something that was handed on to my sister, but it was we didn't have the systems in place. We didn't have the controls. Um, there was no real systems. Then this man says to me, Clive, I'm, I'll teach you to do the books. 
I says, I can't even switch on a computer. He says, believe you me, you can do it. We sat down in January that year, and we basically, what he called, uh, sorted the books, discovered a major flaw in the business, which, if it had continued, actually, Alcorn's would have been probably bankrupt within two years of that, and that's going back. So that was a major turning point? That was a major turning point, because my father had actually worked his whole life to develop a business, to bring us on as a business, and suddenly the bottom line was uh, there was half a million uh, overpaid to the Vatman. Uh, that was a massive thing to think that as a family business, and the busier we got, the worse it got. And this is where I would say to anybody out there in business, take advice. But you know what you do? Take advice from somebody who's in, mightn't even be your own business. And I say, listen to everybody and say, thanks very much. You don't know when you're going to need somebody down the line. Uh, you know, sometimes what's not relevant at the, at the present time can become relevant six months, a year, two years down the line. Uh, we sorted out the problem. Uh, my father says, I'm retiring. I'm out. And myself, brother and sister took over uh, and formed Alcorns Limited, which is going to this day. So can you break down uh, exactly what goes on here, Clive, because there are different strands uh, to the operation here? We basically, we have three businesses operating within one business, uh, all under the umbrella of Alcorns. We have Alcorns Flowers, which has been very successful, as I say, from, from my father and mother started back in the late 60s, uh, as run by John and Caroline, brother and sister, uh, with the other staff backing them up. Um, again, we import flowers every week from Holland. Uh, you know, again, it's all about quality. The quality of the product is what sells our product. Clive, outside the office, uh, we can hear the forklift, uh, obviously, transporting uh, the stock up and down. You talked to me about the, the level of production here and in terms of numbers. Can you give our listeners an indication of just how many uh, plants are sort of processed and, and, and produced here every day? Well, on the garden centre side of things, we would start, I would start from mid-January, sowing seedlings. That's produced throughout the season then. That's growing, as I say, behind the scenes. I would have up to about five, six people working here over summer holidays and different times. Uh, that will be, we'll produce that. That then is produced. We'll produce throughout the season about three quarters of a million of summer bedding plants, that type of thing, uh, basket plants, all that for the seasons, you know, and that's a, as a big, big part of the business. We would also grow hedging, uh, herbaceous plants, and all that. So at different, so as I say, from end of January right through to end of October, it's a very, very busy place, and everything is scheduled. Everything has to work uh, on a time scale. It's like my young fellow one day says to me, "Dad, how do you know what we're going to, what we're doing tomorrow?" I says, Sergey, I can tell you what you're doing in three weeks. And that's how uh, B 
because this has to be finished today to move to the next thing tomorrow uh, to keep the schedule to keep things on track because if you go behind it's very very hard to get that time back so it's very deadline oriented it is deadline oriented uh, they keep telling me that I'm probably the biggest deadline that keeps driving them like it's uh, as I say it's 110% not 100 um, so that's maybe 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 a Clive problem yeah. just go back to the story about the uh, glass house uh, in Holland that you purchased we talked about it off here you might share that story again as much as you can with our listeners well it's sort of a, a bit of a funny story in the sense that I worked in, in Holland for three months back in the summer of 87 and uh, at the time I say we built the first glass house on site which is and your glass house is a much better product than your polytunnels from a heat retention and a better growing environment if you can afford it um, so we built one glass house, which we still to this day call Tommy's glass house, which was a, a smaller one to the, to the one side. And I wanted to go and buy this glass house. So myself and a mate of mine, or fellow actually worked with my father at the time, went to. Uh, we end up we uh, went to Belfast, got the flight to Schiphol Airport in Holland, uh, got the train up to Boscope. Uh, which is a small town, sort of in central Holland, where it'll be a, it, it is orientated for growing plants. Now it has two shops and two pubs and nothing else, and the biggest thing is accommodation. So the man that I stayed with, who was really a character, uh, he always says to me, "You bring me no potting." So the next time I'm in Holland, I'll bring you potting. So we landed at his door on a Sunday night at eight o'clock, knocked on the door, and he came to the door and he says. Oh, it's you, it's a Coca-Cola kid. And he says, any chance of a place to stay? And he says, there are 11 people in my house. This was a three-bedroom house. And so I have two bottles of potching. He has two bottles of potching. You can guess what he said. They can stay in the streets. You get the beds. And that was the bed and breakfast for the week. Um, so I slept on the floor uh, of a bedroom. And uh, Liam slept as I say on the sofa or tried to get a better kip and uh, next morning at half six landed down your man says I phoned Glasshouse Company they want to do business they come to you so it ended up that uh, this man appeared with a top of the range Mercedes and toured us about and I actually bought the greenhouse on a Thursday morning uh, for £8,300 now the same equivalent in Ireland at the time was in excess of 40000 was a huge saving, a massive saving. Um, but there's a wee bit more to show you the community side of things because actually Hanlon's and Dunlow was taking meat to Germany at the time and Hanlon's collected the glass house in Holland, brought it back. We built it ourselves and we done our work during the day and we worked with this at morning and at nights and as I say, friends was up helping. There's another friend who actually ended up getting heat stroke out of it and uh, that uh, thought that as I say, the sunshine wasn't that bright but it was bright enough to leave him in bed for two weeks. Um, and it was during the European Championships of 88 and uh, even the Radio Mix lorry actually had to be left on site because the boys decided they were going to the match so they left us the lorry and told us here wash out your cell boys, we're going so uh, it was uh, an eventful escapade but unfortunately on the August bank holiday when we just had the glass house finished we had planted plants into it uh, on the Sunday, which probably they say you shouldn't work Sundays, but didn't work that time. Monday morning at 
7 o'clock, there was a massive storm and uh, those wee brackets which we were short and the company was making them for us were to be ready on Tuesday. Monday morning we lost four roofs off the last house. But to get back to the story, um, at 9 o'clock it was completely calm, it was a summer's day. Now there was caravans wrecked and the caravan sites around the county that was really rough. At 9 o'clock there were 15 people standing in the glass house gathering up glass, sorting her out. At 10 o'clock I got a phone call from Hanlon's. I heard you know, the glass house damaged. Uh, we'll bring what call it, whatever you need at a Holland, you ring Holland, we'll bring it in for free. That was great support from local uh, business. It, it shows you what people, you know, what the local people can do. And I say, within a week, we had it back. And as I say, we're now chatting 30 years later, and that glass house is still standing and still doing its job. If you were going to point to something, is that the one thing you can point to and say, that has made us what we are today? It's the people. You know, without people, we're nothing. There's no no business survives without the people, without the workers. We've had, you know, I mean, the amount of people have worked here over the years, and we've had some fantastic staff. We have had some fantastic young people and, you know, and work experience that have been worked here over the summers. And, you know, it's amazing how, as I say, you know, when, when the chips are down, it's people that brings you around. So we covered the garden centre the other two sides of your business? Well, I say the flower shop is, is an ongoing thing, uh, you know, and it's, 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 it's run on a weekly basis. The zoo then has really developed into being, it was my passion, my hobby. It has now gone into an entity of its own. So just taking that back to the start, when and how did that idea come about? The zoo actually came from, always had an interest in animals from a very young age, and basically what he called uh, myself and my wife were on tour I always had this passion about as I say there was no there was nothing for people to come to Donegal when the sun's shining and the beaches are lovely and the weather's perfect Donegal's the place when it's not very hard to find something and especially something that is family orientated so I uh, always had this dream and myself and the wife was in Stratford and Avon on holidays and she wanted to go and see Shakespeare now myself and Shakespeare wouldn't really get on very well so we decided I seen a sign for this butterfly house and uh, ended up uh, in this butterfly house and it was absolutely amazing and of course Clive being Clive Clive went and looked for the man that owned it and uh, it's actually the man from New Zealand and I says look what do I need when he says you need to build a glass house I says Clive's done that one you need the right plants I've done that one so how do you get the butterflies? He says, we actually supply the butterflies, the pupae, all over Europe. That is our behind the scenes, our industry. So, so if I can get this running, would you... Oh, I says, give you any help we can. So uh, I took four years to convince the farmer next door to sell me the piece of ground. Uh, developed it and opened the door on the 4th of April 2011 with the name Tropical World, which was uh, something that... Uh, nobody believed as I say I was told this would never work and you know how can you have tropical animals in, in Donegal uh, and how can you you know it, it just can't sustain itself um, it did and like it has really developed 
And tell me, Clive, were you always confident that the tropical world would be such a success? Well, I always say, uh, as I say, you've got to be a wee bit mad in this world. And you've got to sometimes take the chance. It was a calculated risk. And uh, I threw everything that I owned at it. And as I was telling Kieran, that, uh, as I say, when the original idea was, was ready to go. And one day, uh, my father says to me, he says, show me this, what you were talking about in England. And uh, I showed him a, a video of the butterflies in the Stratford Navin in England. And uh, that was okay. And I had he'd been up in the office with me, and I left him down to, as I say, his own house that night. So the next morning, we were all in for tea. And all the workers, everybody, my father fed everybody. Anybody come to Elkins, Tommy Elkins fed you. And that was the rule. And on the way out, he says, here, he says, there a piece of paper for you. I said, what's that? Opened it up, it was a cheque for 40,000. He says, you start, he says, I'll start you. It's up to you to finish her. Now I invested 450,000 uh, to basically start Tropical World back in 2011. Uh, it has developed and developed. It's now at a stage I'm hunting about 40,000 visitors a year. Um, you know, it's now internationally recognized for the animals that we keep. Uh, we're working with Biaza. We're working, which is again as an international thing within zoos. And it's all about trying to educate people. You know, and like, as one of the zoo inspectors said to me at the start, she says, Clive, What's your plan? What are you trying to do? So I'm trying to educate people that if we don't look after what we have, then these animals won't be there. And she says, you give me the right answer anyway. And that's from this day. And it's important, you know, to get... Uh, it's an, it, For me, the zoo is a hobby. The zoo's like walking into a different world. And somebody, the zoo inspector one day says to me... What do you get out of the zoo? And the best description I could give them was that one day I happened to be down and the woman in reception says to me, she says, there's a family in there with a wee girl who's blind and they went to the butterfly house. So I went in and this woman, she's a wee girl of about 10 years of age, but her mother, as I say, was she was given the child a description of the butterfly house of the butterflies, the smells of the plants. Uh, we have a fog unit that comes on to actually create humidity in it. And she was able to explain, and she was actually seeing things that I had walked through that butterfly house for years and never seen. And it was a, a, to me it was an education just to actually listen to her mother. So I said, took the time and I got a butterfly, I was able to walk the butterfly onto the wee girl's hand and explain to her how the butterflies, the process and from they lay their eggs to pupae to hatch out to butterflies and the whole process as it goes through and I spent about two, two and a half hours going around the whole zoo and basically every animal knows the keepers and knows myself and they, they react to the voice and you know we had great fun and, I'd, and when, uh, when they were going uh, I handed the wee girl a teddy bear and I said there's a wee memento of tropical world and uh, the father came back up to me and he says, Clive, he says, you, you, you give the wee girl a, a teddy bear. He says, that was 20 quid. He says, we didn't pay that on an entrance fee. He says, I know I don't pay anybody. Anybody disabled, we don't put charge in. She says, uh, 
But he says, what? So I got more out of that than you got out of it today. And that's what that's what it's about. If our, the youth, the, as I say, our children, uh, that's what the future is. And we can't change the past, but so we can change the future. Well, your uh, approach is very much educational. You got a huge lesson yourself. Well, that's it's all about education. So, do you have a different uh, sense of purpose now about what you have here, Tropical World? Oh, definitely. You know, I mean, it's 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 a it is it's an absolute pleasure to see what you know what is here, and 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 when you see, as I say, families coming through and children's faces, and you know, and children, you know, there's people that goes out and they think they they love the dinosaurs now. Okay, they're a bit of fun, you know. There's people that enjoys the play park, uh, but there's people that goes out and goes, "That was class," and that's that's what it's about. Can you talk to me uh, about the animals that are here, Clive? We have quite a range from we have about seven different species of small, different small monkeys, marmosets. Uh, we've quite a collection then of bugs, lizards, snakes, that type of thing. We then have the, the butterfly section. We then would have different birds, parrots. Uh, we've toco tokens, the only pair in Ireland. We've black cockatoos again, which are very rare. We have black lemurs, which are part of a European breeding program. Which actually, long term, these will go extinct. Um, but this is, but again, it's, it's trying to bring people into the respect environment, respect basically what's around you, and respect each other. You know, this is, it's it's all about, and if you look, and if you actually follow, as I say, there's a motto outside the meerkats, and if people's ever in, and reads the motto, if you follow that motto in life, you'll never go far wrong. During our walk around, uh, we stopped off at a number of, of the cages. Um, have you a favourite? There's always a favourite. Um, there'd have to be what I call the black lemurs, or sort of next to my own two children, or sort of the next next in line. Uh, there's also Luigi, who is uh, a blue-eyed cockatoo, who uh, actually is sort of, as I say, he's a bit of the boss of tropical world, where he, uh, I'm the only one person that can go into him because he attacks everybody else, and he actually came out of Belfast Zoo, and they couldn't handle him. And uh, he seems to respect me, but I think maybe he knows that it's me that pays the bills and <laughs> keeps his food going. So uh, he, he, me and him is sort of an understanding. But how difficult is it to acquire uh, full ownership of animals, Clive? It's uh, again what I call what we're at within the zoo community. You know, the zoos basically, if we have something that breeds. We need to change the bloodline so we can swap it with another zoo. It's it's not a there's no money changes hands. It's basically when you enter the zoo community, it's not nothing's done for money. It's done for to basically better the the breed of that of that species and how to keep you know. And a lot of the bigger zoos, you know, we're on a small scale compared to the likes of Chester and London and, you know, uh, Fort Island and Cork does a lot of work. Dublin does fantastic work. And, like, they're, again, working with conservation projects all over the world and basically rehoming animals, bringing animals back and reintroducing stuff back to the wild. And there we will take a break. Business Matters, in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. 
Are you a senior manager in the private sector looking to reinforce your leadership skills? ATU are offering a Level 9 Executive MBS in Leadership and Innovation based around action learning starting late April. Take the next step in your career and contact the Exec Ed Coordinator on 9186206 today or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie You're welcome back. Before the break, Clive was talking about the importance of reintroducing animals back to the wild. That is what, that's what zoos are about. That's, you know, zoos are there for a purpose. They're not there just to hold a collection of animals sitting uh, in cages. They're there. It's all about trying to use those animals to, as I say, educate people, bring uh, conservation awareness and move and try and keep the bloodlines that stuff can be returned to the wild in, in, in the future. And in relation to the educational aspect, I believe you have a student here staying here as well. We have a student. We would always try and bring two or three students actually over over a season. Uh, we have a girl at the moment from Tralee College. We have another girl coming from uh, Queen's University doing zoology. You know, uh, again, it's part of the ethos. It's, it's part of... Uh, to me, it's very, very important to have young people coming forward because... It needs everything needs new blood, and new people brings in new eyes. And this is, you know, it's the same within the garden centre where I would try and bring young people in as for uh, work experience or that through the schools or for summer jobs, you know. And it's it's fantastic learning, you know. And they might never ever grow a plant in their life again, but they learn. The, the processes of work, the process that you have to be there on time, this is the procedures how it's done. And it's, as I say, there's, there's people that uh, have really, as I say, developed, and like, uh, I could, could go back and name people that are, have been with me 10, 20 years ago, and they, they say, Jesus, this place was madness, but it was great crack. The season has just started, uh, Clive, earlier in the month. How many people would be uh, working with you uh, at full capacity? At full capacity, we would have 14 full-time people. Then we'd have part-times uh, coming and going then through through the season, you know, up until June. The zoo would be continually. And then we have a cafe then on site who's uh, separate to us, but they have another. There's another 8, 10 people employed there. So within the town, you know, it's a it's a big employer like it's uh it really is a, it's a it's a business within uh you know there that is carrying numbers of people who came up with the idea to set up the the coffee house uh coffee house was something that was developed what he called i originally built the log cabin uh and for to be a, a coffee uh house and uh we uh it was started in, on a small scale and then moved up and now really has developed and Michelle Hunter has really taken it to uh, another another level and uh, you know the stuff is it's it's home produced as, as, as much as possible and is is really what he called uh, it's a, it's a, a busy spot you know right throughout the year. And all added attraction. Well, it's, it's it's all part of the the experience. Like, and, and people in this day and age want to come out. You know, they can buy their plants, have a cup of tea, a cup of coffee. You know, it's 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 an experience. It's it's a it's a, a couple of hours away from the normal. You know, and that's just what, as I say, people need to enjoy life. And you know, that's what your garden. And there's no there's no perfect. Uh, 
there's no perfect garden there's no it's all about what getting the enjoyment you know and that's that's what it's the same as I say and that to me is is what links you know people enjoy there's people enjoys flowers and flower arranging there's people enjoys their garden growing their veg growing their fruit growing their flowers or hanging baskets there's people enjoys the animals it's all about as I say your own headspace your own it's enjoying what's in, out there in front of you and you know we've we've got to really grasp uh as I say as a community you know and as you know as a county Donegal the days yesterday was probably one of the one of the better days for weather but there's always a good day ahead and you've got to look positive you know there's enough negatives to pull you down so always work with the positive and try and what can we do what can we do to make it better Clive sustainability plays a big part uh and the way things are run here. Sustainability is something that has come in in the last uh, three to four years where really, uh, again, a chance encounter within the zoo. A man was here and he's telling me about solar panels and heat pumps and I says, right, we'll have a go. So we started and uh, really we've now developed what he called, we're now at a stage where uh, for eight months of the year we're basically off grid during the day with solar panels and uh, I have five heat pumps and actually all the monkeys are running on heat pumps which are more efficient and uh, they're, uh, you know, the uh, the animals actually have a better heating environment than my own house and are treated better but that's, the animals get first priority but uh, again, what's the sustainability? If we didn't do that three years ago the zoo would not, with the current energy crisis would not have survived to today so it's a move you're glad you made it's the most positive move I've made in probably the last three to five years you know we would also but again sustainability is something that it buys into what the concept of what we're trying to do here because you know for years I always preached that water is a precious commodity and people laughed and go you're off your head I collect all rainwater you know we're self-sufficient in water uh, for the garden centre, you know, all the toilets run on rainwater. We don't use, you know, because it's there. You know, we recycle all the cardboard. We we basically what do you call it? We work all the plastic back. Everything that can be done, you know, even the garden centre side of it. All the pots are now changing over to a new uh, form of plastic, which is actually what do you call it? Uh, which is supposed to be detectable. And this is something that is really moving fast over the next two to three years. Really, we have got to basically cut packaging, you know. And this is, it's again, comes back to, to the word sustainability. You know, we cannot keep destroying the planet and to go, well, it's not our problem. It is our problem, you know. And if everybody does their bit, you know, and it's, business can do so much, but the general people have got to say here, look, we buy into this. And it, it, it's something that, you know, the tidy towns, uh, Jerry McCormick has worked with myself over the years. And uh, it's amazing. You know, the the local council, Letterkenny is, is, is a fantastic town and is beautifully planted, beautifully done. And there's a lot of volunteers out there. You see on a Sunday morning out lifting letter. To me, it's it's fundamentally wrong that they should actually even have to go out and lift that letter because, 
you make a mess, you clean up. That's the rule. And that's that's a good rule of life. And, and I think that, you know, and it really is annoying to go and see uh, you drive down a road and you see nothing but papers and rubbish and uh, there's no call for it. You know, as I say, simple rule. Take it home. We're three years on from the start of the pandemic. Clive, how impacting was that and at that time on your business? The first the first month, six weeks, probably the most stressful that as I say, what little hair I had disappeared in them couple of weeks. But um it really it changed things in a, in a way that um the garden centre everywhere was closed, the zoo was closed, which was uh we knew that and that was that was okay. We could sort of park it and run the zoo basically uh we didn't have to worry about it. The garden centre uh I remember when it was in, when the first the first day of lockdown was actually Mother's Day weekend, and we basically end up selling bouquets of flowers to people sitting in their cars because people rung in, and uh, we managed to get out that weekend of uh, and thought what happens now, and like the whole thing had just collapsed, but suddenly the phone started to ring. Could you leave this at the gate? Could you leave that at the gate? So we ended up with uh, setting up like a collection system and uh, we developed a system where we, we actually set up pallets around the car park and numbered them all. So did the surprise and demand for your product surprise you? Garden, uh, everybody was at home and it was, it, it, uh, the whole of Europe was outstripped in, in, in plant production. Like we would normally grow two, two and a half thousand strawberries per year. We could have sold 10,000 strawberries that year. Now, let's say over the two years of the pandemic, uh, every garden centre in the country, and in, as I say, throughout Ireland, England and Europe, got an amazing boost. Now, that has, that has gone back to normal levels now. But look, everybody has had two very good years because of COVID and because people have took a wee bit more pride in their, their own homes and have been and have had the time. And my hope is that people that have grown a little bit of age or done a bit of gardening and seen the results in that bit of colour that stays with them for life you know it's, it's as I say from that little plant that you plant to what will flower out throughout the summer or what will come on year on year well that's you know it's like planting a tree you know it's it's there for the future and that's all that all helps the environment that helps it helps your own mental health and that's that's important, I think, to keep, you know. And we all need need something. Talking about needing something, Clive, I'm very drawn to a number of uh, photographs behind us here in your office. You might uh, talk to me about some of them. Well, the, the sort of the, the number one passion was always uh, Formula One. The world at at one time would have stopped for Formula One, as I say, it was in the good old days when we had Senna and Mansell and Prost and them boys. It was, uh, and I say, if Senna had a lost, well, don't speak to Clive for about three days. That was that was how serious it was. And I always remember the night that, uh, as I say, we were all basically out of bed. I think about three or four o'clock in the morning, and uh, Senna and Prost were lined up in the the front of the grid, and of course uh, went into the first corner, and uh, Senna accidentally took Prost into the into the uh, gravel trap, and uh, my father says, "What? Do you, what happens now?" I says, 
Senna's world champion. Say so that's all that matters. And uh, you know, this was there was some uh, some great between uh, my brother, myself, my father, and it was really, as I say, a passion. Uh, the sort of I then, as I say, adopted two children of my own from Russia, and from the came to me, sport is the biggest thing. And as a young person growing up, it is the one thing that grounds them, gives them boundaries, gives them something. So as I say, uh, Bonaghy has become, as I say, uh, from Alcorns, Bonaghy is a second home. And like Bonaghy has been very, very good to my two children, to me, down the years. And like we've had, as I say, as you see there's a picture of uh, the Gators under 16 team. And like we had some amazing fun and, and amazing adventures down the years. And all them girls are now, and a lot of them girls have moved on now and are actually playing in uh, the ladies team. And like it's great to see where young girls that have come from 12 years of age are now 18, 19, 20. And like, uh, as I say, maturing and enjoying and still enjoying their sport. And nice memories to have looking back, Clive. I think it's, 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 it's part of, uh, you know, this is something that uh, I think, and as I was saying, that we have lost since the pandemic. It's something that's gone back. And I would urge people, just think again, you know, that we better volunteer and that we better help within a club. You know, should it be football, Gaelic, hurling, you know, at all boxing, it doesn't matter. You know, golf, if, but try and encourage people, to, as I say, to participate. That bit of sport, that bit of activity that gets them out, keeps, and, you know, the reward is 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 bigger than, than anything. And, uh, I always think that I done Cub Scouts for 12, 14 years. Uh, Eagle Cub Scouts actually use the premises here at the moment and have done since the pandemic because they couldn't use any of the halls. So they actually, I've converted a greenhouse for them and they, they grow veg and stuff here and they eat some themselves and there's children that are eating stuff over there that wouldn't eat it in their own home. And like they put it on and as I say, burn it on a fire and it tastes even better. But that's, that's the magic part of it and I went one evening to uh, I was doing a delivery of flowers and just I was walking into Mr Chippy with this uh, bouquet of flowers and this big fella he was about six foot four says how's it going Clive and I sort of took a second look and goes who are you and when he spoke again I suddenly remembered who he was and he says uh, Jesus we had some cracking Cub Scouts so we had so I had to come say, you were a mischievous wee bugger. And he says, I, and he says, you were no better than us. But he says, we had times, he says, he says, I never had crack like it. And that to me, if you'd have handed me a thousand pound that day, because, as I say, he was walking and he was walking along the footpath with five or six of his mates, but he took time out to come over and speak to me and go, hey, you know, hey, we had the crack. And that's what it's about. And then, as I say, it's the one thing in this interview, if I could only get people to say, hey, I'll go back to thing, or else get involved uh, in sport, in volunteering, not even in sport, but just, look, there's people out there who need that wee bit of help, and there's people trying to run things, trying to develop things, and if they can get a wee bit of uh, help, that's what makes... And that's what will make the difference. 
as we do uh, come to the words the end of the interview, Clive, what's the best lesson that you've learned? Best lesson I've learned is actually what I called uh, the time I was doing adoption, and uh, the best lesson I could say to anybody is: see if you walk up to a door and it's locked, find another way around it. Now, and explaining that is that you could go to somebody and say, and they say, no, you can't do that. Oh, no, you wouldn't know how to do that. There's always a way. And if you find the right person, the right person will always help you. And there's always a way, you know, there's always a way of making it better. There's always a way that you can develop and develop yourself. And that's something that, to me, sticks with me that, you know, if I had of, uh, at the time, as I say, we went through a four-year process of adoption, uh, that was, it was very, very zapping for paperwork and keeping files and everything had to be done and everything had to be kept in date. And that went out of date every three months. But I had to have something like, I think there were 46 pieces of paper which had to be all in date, all in one day. So you had to try and get, and I had to get the sergeant and other Kenny Barracks to basically sign it. But everybody had to sign it, that it all married up for this date. And you're trying to get 46 pieces of paper. You need a lot of people on side. And as I say, you've got to learn to go. Sometimes you might totally disagree with what somebody says or somebody thinks, but you've got to say, thanks very much because you don't know when you'll need them down the line. And finally, Clive, what does the future hold for yourself and your business? Hopefully uh, we can keep developing what I call Alcorns forward. It's, you know, there's new blood on here now with Craig Alcorn coming forward. Uh, we have, you know, we have young people coming in. It's, again, trying to develop it on and uh, sustain what we have you know, as myself, John and Caroline get a little bit older, we've got to bring in the newer blood. We've got to try and uh, maybe just cool back a wee bit. And as I say, the, the major projects hopefully in my life are over and uh, I can enjoy it a wee bit and, uh, as I say, stand the touchline and do a bit of shouting and roaring for Bonnie as usual. Clive Alcorn, owner of Alcorn's Flower and Garden Centre and Tropical World in the Rikini. Many thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. Thank you very much. Well, that's it for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guest, Clive Alcorn. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on sound. And thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters at hidenradio.com. Business Matters, in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. Are you a senior manager in the private sector looking to reinforce your leadership skills? ATU are offering a Level 9 Executive MBS in Leadership and Innovation based around action learning starting late April. Take the next step in your career and contact the Exec Ed Coordinator on 9186206 today or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie.